Let's go back to our our series on the parables. So uh, take your Bibles and open to uh, Luke chapter 12. And let's read a parable that I think is familiar to many of you. And I think you'll find mm, it contains quite a message. You follow in your copies and I'll read it. Um, It begins in verse 13 and we'll read um, to uh, verse 21. Here's the parable. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Men, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared Whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it endures forever. Now, guys, I want everybody to relax. This morning's sermon is not about giving. Oh, no. No. It's much worse than that. (laughs) And I I don't really mean worse. What, What I mean is that the scope of this parable goes far beyond the relatively insignificant item of our giving. This parable speaks to us at a far deeper level than, than, just, than just giving. In fact, this parable just very well may um, upset the balance of your entire moral universe. <laughs> That's pretty big upset the balance of your entire moral universe. Let me tell you why I say that. First of all, guys, um, there are not many places in the Bible where God calls a man a fool. You know, you and I may use that term. But the Bible doesn't use it that often. There's only one other place that I know of, and it's in Psalm 14, verse 1, which says, 
The fool says in his heart, there is no God. So, um, if Psalm 14.1 is describing an atheist, and he's a fool, and Jesus says that this, this wealthy man is a fool, then Jesus has put this guy um, into some pretty unsavory company, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? So just that one fact, the fact that he so rarely uses the term fool, and here's one of them, just that ought to give us pause, a concern, a reason to listen up. But here's another reason that that I think a parable like this just may upset the balance of your entire moral universe. Here's the second reason. Um, This parable is about folly. It's about foolishness. Um, It's about a specific brand of foolishness. A specific brand of folly. And you know what it is? It's the misuse of wealth. You know, guys, um, in the telling of this parable, Jesus makes a huge statement. Um, Did you see it? It's in verse 15. He says, uh, life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It doesn't? I thought it did. Yikes. (laughs) I mean, Jesus... Ladies and gentlemen, in this parable, gives you, um, uh, let's call it a definition, but it's, he's, he's describing not eternal life, he's describing this life. Um, he's telling us about life. What is the meaning of life? And he says very emphatically what it isn't. He says clearly, life does not consist in in a collection of one's possessions. Um, Now, having said that, He then offers us a parable. And you remember what I told you a parable is in the very beginning? The word parabole um, in Greek, it just means to to throw alongside. So he's given us this huge statement in verse 15. And then he takes this parable and he throws it alongside to illustrate and to... 
to make his points stick. You know, guys, um, um, this parable can upset your whole moral universe. It can turn your, your, your philosophical approach to life upside down. Because, you see, many of us are on this mad dash to, to gather as much of the world's goodies as, as we can possibly gather. Um, I mean, there, there was a bumper sticker years ago. It's, I'm dating myself, but it, it does say a lot. It, it said, he who dies with the most toys wins. You know what that is, ladies and gentlemen? That's not a bumper sticker. That's a philosophy of life. And so what Jesus is attacking here is not our giving. He's not condemning the creation of some kind of financial security or retirement plan or, or solvency. He's denouncing a philosophy of life. Maybe yours. Maybe your philosophy of life is what he's denouncing. He would have us, in response to this parable, ask and then answer this question. Of what does my life consist? Well, did you ask it? Did you answer it? Of what does my life consist? Because that's the focus of this parable, ladies and gentlemen, not my giving. Does my life consist of the material, of things? Is, is my happiness riding on, on the collection of things? Am I sad because I don't have enough things? Is, is there something in the creation that is more appealing to me than the creator? Oh no, this, this parable is not about my giving. No. This goes much deeper than that. Jesus Christ, via this parable, is asking me how I define life. Now listen. Jesus Christ, via this parable, is asking me how I define life. And my answer to that question will show up in how I manage wealth. And that's pretty scary. 
The parable wants me to ask and answer, how do I define life? And my definition of life is going to show up in how I manage wealth. Now, all that by way of introduction, let's, let's step back and let's take a look at the parable itself or the text itself. Um, because the message, not mine, but the message of the parable, oh, it's, it's pretty profound. Two quick things. Um, I, I want you to notice that in verse 13, Jesus is rudely interrupted by someone in his audience. And um, the guy wants Jesus to get involved into a, an inheritance battle. And Jesus quickly points out to him that there are courts in Israel to settle such matters as these. Uh, this is a fraternal squabble over an inheritance. Now, that never happens to any of us, now does it? But having, having directed this rude person in his audience to the courts of Israel, he then issues a warning in verse 15. Um, it starts by saying, take, take care. Be on your guard against all covetousness. And then, of course, comes the parable itself. So we're going to look at this parable under three headings. Um, the, the, the warning, um, the misuse of wealth, and the corrective. The, 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 the warning... The misuse and the corrective. That's how we're going to break down this this parable. First of all, let's take a closer look at the warning itself. He says, take care. Be on your guard against... The Greek word there is pleonexia. It's a word that's translated variously. It appears a lot of times in the New Testament. It's uh, it's translated a couple of different ways, but primarily it's, it's... Translated in two ways. And your translations will reflect this. Um, it's, it's translated greed. And it's translated covetousness. Not, not much difference between those two words. But um, Jesus is saying, you must beware and be on your guard against all forms. Because you see, greed comes in lots of shapes and sizes. There's not just one kind of greed. Oh, no, no, no. There's all kinds of greed. And so so we've got to be very, very careful. We've got to be on our guard, says Jesus, because this thing, this thing can trick you. I'm going to give you a fact that I think proves that. Um, you know, guys, um, I have been in the ministry 40 years. Uh, I was ordained in 1975. So what is that? 25, 30, that's 38 years. And then the three years of seminary means that I've been in the ministry a little over 40 years. Um, and in the course of those 40 years, I have had people sit in my office and make an appointment with me, come sit in my office and confess to all manner of crime and or evil. (laughs) Uh, I guess number one on the list is adultery. That one I hear a lot. Affairs. Um, I hear about porn. I hear about homosexual lifestyle. 
I hear about theft, Ponzi schemes, extortion, and then all kinds of other sleaze. But never, never, not one time in the course of 40 years of ministry, not one time has anyone ever come into my office, made an appointment with me, and said, Dr. Young, I need to tell you about my sin. I am guilty of greed. Because you see, wealth, wealth blinds us to the fact that we're blind. Wealth blinds us to the fact that our wealth is generally misused. Money is so sneaky that not one of us ever suspect that we have been we have, that, that, that we have fallen prey to its allurements. I mean, we might be a lot of things, Dr. Young. <laughs> yes, sir, Bob. But I'm, I'm a greedy? No, no, not me. I'm not, I'm not one of those. You know, guys, sadly, much of what I'm going to say today will not be heard. Because greed has blinded me to my greed. Now, let, let me show you from this parable one of the major parts of the blindness. One of the huge blind spots that probably exists in pretty much all of us. Um, it's in verse 16. Let me read you verse 16. Um, and he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. There it is. Did you see it? Probably not, because that's why we call it a blind spot. <laughs> uh, so let me, let me show it to you. I want you to notice what the parable does not say. It does not say, a man worked very, very hard and accumulated lots of money. It doesn't say that. It says, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Do you see the difference in those two? Um, have you ever seen that before? You see, to say a man worked very hard and, and accumulated lots and lots of money says something, doesn't it? It says, I did it. But the other, and may I point out that the other is in the text. The other that says the land of rich man produced plentifully, that, that says something different. It says that God blessed my land. Rather subtle, don't you think? Um, sure, the, the, the man worked hard. But apart from the blessing of God, let me just mention one. Rain. Apart from the blessing of God, he would have had zero. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I was with a group of farmers um, in, in Iowa. I was in the Mediapolis, Iowa um, uh, this past summer. And I was with a group of farmers, a third of whom had been ruined. We're losing everything because of something we call drought. Um, you see, guys, um, when I begin to think of my wealth, how do I think of it? Well, I worked hard. You know, I want everybody else was out, to, you know, playing around the golf. Not me. No. I had my nose to the grindstone. And um, that's how I got it. You see, ladies and gentlemen, um, most of us regard our wealth as ours. Not God's. I earned this. Not God graced me with it. No, I earned this. Wealth produces just such a distortion of reality, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm telling you, it's a huge one. We take credit. When, when clearly the Bible teaches something else. Now guys, keep your finger right there. I want you to take those Bibles that I hope you've got, and I, I want you to open them once again to Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's the fifth book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8. <clears throat> the, the, um, the, 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 the interesting thing is, ladies and gentlemen, I have read this text to you dozens of times. But I can read it until I'm blue in the face. But you won't hear it. Because you're not on your guard. It's verse 18 of chapter 8. You shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you. Power to get wealth. I wonder how many times I've said that in here. And I wonder how many of you believe it. You, you know, guys, um, we can hear that until kingdom comes. But because we're not on our guard, you've been sucker punched. And you've got this blind spot, or we've got this blind spot that would uh, say it more like this. I worked hard and I accumulated a lot of wealth. Instead of saying it like the parable says it. I want you to notice also the repetition of the word my. Starts in verse 17. I have nowhere to store my crops. I will tear down my barns. And there will be, I store all my grain and my goods. Somehow, what God had given to him has shifted into 
my stuff. How often do, do we speak of what we have as belonging to us? And, by the way, I want more of it. And the idea that, that God gave me the ability to make wealth rarely, if ever, crosses my mind. I think of myself as an owner. I think of myself as a, not as a steward. Um, all because we did not heed this warning in verse 15. Be on your guard. You better be on your guard against all forms of greed. I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, to define your possessions as yours. Makes you greedy. Now, the second point has to do with the misuse of wealth. Um, this guy in the parable, he's got a dilemma. It's mentioned in verse 17 and 18. You know, I've got all this, uh, this well, I have nowhere to store my crops. And, uh, well, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build large ones. Uh, you know, what am I going to do? With all the extra, my extra, why I'm so good that I have produced all this plus extra, um, just shows you how hard I worked. I produced this extra. Uh, what am I going to do with it? Well, why doesn't he distribute it to um, to the poor or to the widows or the orphans? Why doesn't that ever cross his mind? For the same reason it doesn't cross ours. And so he chooses to build more barns. Or to buy a second house or a third house or a fourth house. Or to get more cars and newer cars. And you see, guys, this guy's asking the wrong question. He's asking, what should I do? What he ought to be asking is, what do you want me to do with this God? Everything I've got is God's. I'm only a steward. What do you want me to do with all of the extra? Um, you provided it. Now, what do you want me to do with it? But you see, guys, once you miss the warning of verse 15, then, then number one, you wrongly define life, and secondly, you lay claim to all of your stuff, and then you... Misuse your wealth. And you become a fool. And those things that I thought would guarantee me a bright and happy future are now being fought over by my relatives. That's what it says. He thought his riches were going to last forever. And um, 
Things didn't work out that way. Um, and the things that he has had become his God, or at least they had obscured God. And I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, greed is always rooted in the fundamental error that life consists of an abundance of things. Which Jesus says in this parable is not true. Let's uh, wind this up with a corrective. There is a corrective. It's mentioned in verse 21. Um, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The corrective is being rich toward God. What is it that brings true peace and quietness to the soul? Well, Jesus answers that. He says it's being rich towards God. You know, guys, there's really only two options. Um, I'm either rich for me or I'm rich for God. You know, there's only two. And our culture has largely chosen the former. Um, It does exactly what Jesus says not to do. Um, Measuring our worth by possessions as if the soul could find real rest in corn. Because the earth, as you know, is all there is. My friends, Jesus regards that as the height of folly. And yet, how many of us are living based on the same definitions of life that are being condemned in this parable? Are you? If so, God calls you a fool. I didn't call you that. I'm just telling you what it says right there. Jesus says life does not consist of this. And we say, oh, we beg to differ. We measure sense in dollars and cents. Or we measure success in dollars and cents. Driven by our obsession to have more. And you can see it, ladies and gentlemen, in, in, in our envies, the kinds of things that we envy. Now, gang, do you see what I meant when I, earlier I said, oh, this is not about giving. Oh, man, no. Tiny compared to this. This is about a philosophy of life. Um, but that philosophy of life bubbles to the s- surface in numerous ways. Let me just mention a few, in case you're having trouble connecting the dots. We neglect our souls so that we can take care of our stuff. We, um, instead of worshiping on Sunday, we mow our lawn, or we ski behind our boats, or we, uh, we applaud our children, all of their 
soccer prowess instead of worship. Now, guys, only one of those is being rich towards God. I mean, I'll let you figure out which one, but there's only one of those that is. Or it shows up in our giving. We, um, we give God $25 and pay $400 for football tickets or concert tickets. You see, both of those, <laughs> neither of those options is a pursuit of richness towards God. But it does give you a comparison, something to work with. You know, guys, we spend a fortune on subscriptions to Fortune magazine and Money magazine. And those two magazines ought to be viewed by us as absolute pornography. Because they are ruinous to the soul. Because they promote a philosophy that Jesus is condemning right here. Guys, there is a sense in which... Listen... There is a sense in which that our economic life makes us who we are forever. Because on display within it, that is our our economic life, on display in our economic life is our philosophy of life. The world called certain men successful. And Jesus calls them fools. Which one of those estimates um, matters to you? I mean, it depends on whether uh, or not all of this is true. That is, if you believe that Jesus is really God and, and he really did say this. If you believe that, like so many of us do. then there's a lot of changes that we need to make. Big changes. And I think the parable gives us an opportunity to ask this question. Am I rich or poor towards God? Gang, the the New Testament very clearly teaches that the grave is not annihilation. That is, that there's two lives, that there's a temporal one, the one that we're in now, and then there's an eternal one, and they're connected. We do not appear in eternity with nothing. We bring either our own sinful baggage or we bring with us the righteousness of Christ. We bring a life that is rich towards God, or we bring one that is utter folly. Gang, you must not miss this. Your philosophy of life shows up in how you manage wealth. Say it again. Your philosophy of life shows up in how you manage wealth.
That's the point. Now, guys, the corrective, the real corrective is grace. Jacques Alol, who is a French uh, Christian, said this. Mammon, that's an old King James word that means money. But he says mammon, so I'm going to quote him. He says, mammon loses all reason for existence, all power over us, as soon as grace enters our heart. You know, guys, as soon as we see the beauty of what Jesus Christ has done for us, as soon as we see that he who is rich has become poor so that we who were poor might become rich, as soon as we see that everything that was necessary for me to be forgiven was provided for me through the finished work of Jesus Christ, as soon as we see that there is not one smidgen of righteousness a part of me, that my only hope of redemption is in what Jesus Christ has done for me, in my stead, on my, on my behalf, as my substitute, as my vicarious sin-bearing Savior. As soon as we see some of that in its beauty, then our philosophy changes. And money becomes just money. And Jesus Christ is put where he belongs. Enthroned. This is not about giving. This is about how you define life. This one the next one. Heavenly Father, I do pray that you will remind us uh, through these um, very profound parables of what you um, of what you love and what you hate and what you um, what you long for and what you denounce. Might we find our great beauty in being rich towards God. But Father, if you brought people here today who have not yet met Jesus Christ as Savior, would you cause them to see that the first need that they have is to settle this who's going to save me question. Because there's only one Savior. And I'm not he. But Jesus Christ is. And I pray that you will display him today in all of his saving beauty. And we ask it, of course, for his sake.